Hello, Burger listeners. This is Jamil speaking. On this episode of Hamburger Generation, Isra and I meet Yusuf Samour, a young Palestinian New Zealander who joined the Freedom Flotilla Coalition, sailing across Europe, spreading awareness and raising funds for the people of Gaza, Palestine. Listen in as he takes us through his journey from his early onset belief in the cause, how he joined the Freedom Flotilla and his personal experience, and as we laugh and compare childhood stories of Palestinian ideas passed down through generations. Please give it up for Yusuf some more, and I hope you enjoy this story. So Yusuf, who are you? I mean, like, introduce yourself for us. Well, hello everybody, listeners. My name is Yusuf Samour. I'm originally Palestinian, uh, born in Dubai, raised in Dubai and in New Zealand, mm-hmm. and I hold a New Zealand passport. And I am a yacht engineer by education. What? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> a yacht engineer? Yeah. Is is that something you... C- I didn't even know it's, that it's was... It's a thing. So, uh, bachelors, uh, you're the first yacht engineer I've ever met in my mm-hmm. life, by the Probably way. Probably the last as well. There's not many of us here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell, to break us, take us to what is this education process? Okay, so the bachelors is engineering and you choose mechanical or civil or structural. I did structural, mm-hmm. which is a civil engineering background. And then when you want to do your master's, you choose a specialty. So you can do anything in that field. And I chose yachts. So yacht design, hulls, structural design of yachts, all these things. And what drew you to yachts? I like the sea. I love the sea. Mm-hmm. So I live, I live for the ocean. It's, it's my favorite place. Mm. And uh, I wanted to do something related to that. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Where from Palestine are you from? My mom is from Haifa, like you, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. Represent. Represent. <laughs> <laughs> and, my, and my dad is from a village near Akka called El Bassa. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, Haifa is right on the sea, right? Right by the sea, yeah. So it's yeah. in my genes, apparently. Yeah, yeah true. Mm-hmm. My grandfather doesn't allow any of us not to know how to swim. <laughs> He's like, there is no other in the world that will not know how to swim. <laughs> not a single lentil. Yeah, yeah not, not a lentil. <laughs> us lentils, we know how to float, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mm. but by that principle, it, I'm from the desert, so. Mm. Where where are you from? I mean, I'm from Be'er Siba. Uh-huh. But that makes, I mean, what what traits have my has my father tried to pass down? Oh, like Bedouinness, yeah, farming, yeah, you yeah. Know? farming maybe. Arabic coffee, uh-huh. hospitality. Yeah. Hospita- I was gonna say hospitality. Hospitality, that's pretty much it. And a shit ton of uh, sayings. Sayings, <laughs> right? We live on sayings. Yeah, we talk quotes. a lot to Bedouins. And so, why don't you share one of your dad's famous sayings? Um, yeah, let's hear. Uh, that's that's gold right there yeah yeah Yeah. that one means like when you owe somebody money you gotta pay him back per dirham you know but then if you want to be kind you can go above and beyond so uh it's just an example but anyways it's not about me (laughs) (laughs) i'm enjoying this i want to hear more i want to hear more (laughs) (laughs) let's go back yes yeah so yacht engineering is where we left it yeah right right yeah engineering okay So you grew up in the UAE. That's right. I left New Zealand. I left uh, Dubai at the age of ten to uh-huh. move to New Zealand. Okay. Because we were, well, I wa- and my sister and I were. Um, we had this Lebanese document, so mm-hmm. it wasn't an official passport, right? Mm-hmm. Like many third-generation refugees from Palestine, 
And so my parents wanted us to have a proper passport so we could travel better and have a better opportunity in life, etc., etc. So my dad got a job offer in New Zealand, and we all moved as a family there. And three years later, I got the passport. That's great yeah. foresight on your parents' Definitely. Part. And my brother at the time uh, wanted to start university, mm-hmm. my older brother. And the universities in Dubai at the time weren't very uh, world famous or prominent back then because mm-hmm. Dubai was such a new country. Yeah. Mm. And so New Zealand was uh, a good option at the time as well. Great option. Yeah. yeah. Great things about Yeah, New best New decision Zealand. they've made. I used to give them so much shit for it. They're like, I can't believe you took me away from Dubai. I miss mm. my friends. I was 10 years old, like I said. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I was really unhappy for the first year just because it was a whole new country and didn't know what the hell I was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but eventually, I grew to love it for sure. It's an amazing place. Yeah, so 15 years in Dubai and 15 in New Zealand, so half and half. Okay. Perfect. And is that where you did your university? That is where I studied my bachelor's and master's, yes. In yacht building? Yacht engineering, yes. Oh, sorry, yacht engineering. It sounds fancier. I mean, it's all the same. It's like naval architecture, um, yacht design, shipbuilding. It's all the same kind of Mm. genre. Naval architecture? Yeah, yeah. That's probably that's my favorite term, yeah. That's the coolest one. Yeah. Say that. You should just <laughs> yeah. say that. Yeah. I don't like the term Navy then, because then it sounds like, you know... Limited like to the Army. Yeah. Oh. A bit of on the offensive side of things. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, good point. I like yeah. it. I was afraid you might think that it means something about, like, nose. Oh, the nose. Because yeah. <laughs> like people like me, yeah. they would, that's the first yeah, thing yeah. they think <laughs> of. Sculpturing <laughs> your navel. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that called like rhinoplasty? I think it is. Definitely, yeah, yeah. yes. Thank you. Yeah. Rhinoplasty? Yeah, yes. after that's rhinoceros. what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So having a nose job is the scientific term for a nose job is rhinoplasty. Oh my or God. Or maybe they should just change it to naval architecture. Naval architecture. I like. <laughs> yeah. Makes a lot more sense. After working here for a couple of years, uh, started getting bored again and right now the yacht industry in this part of the world is not doing so well mm-hmm. just you know in terms of e- the economy uh, and i've been following this mission called the ship to gaza movement right for a i don't know about eight years now i've been following them following them in what sense just keeping up with their posts and their happenings and okay. um w- how often they've been doing the missions and uh, how they've been going and you know j- just trying to keep uh, keep tabs and share on Facebook and support them kind of thing mm-hmm. right right and when I was living in New Zealand I had met a guy whose name is Roger Fowler he's a gentleman uh, who manages the New Zealand contribution to this movement so he's the guy who every time they have a mission he sends a person from New Zealand as one of the participants on board right mm-hmm. so I messaged him because I saw on Facebook that they were doing the mission this year. Okay. So I messaged him on Facebook. I said, Roger, how's it going, buddy? What's happening? Can I help in any way with what's happening this year? I've just left my job. Uh, I've got, you know, a couple of months to kill. How can I be of help? You know, I've traveled around Europe. I know a lot of people in these countries you're planning on visiting. Let me know what I can do. And he sent me a message two days later and he said, how would you like to be one of the crew members on board the mission this year? And I was like, holy fuck, of course I do. This is awesome. And... uh I, I went on for two months. I mean, to be a, a member of the crew, w- w- is there a process? Well, you either have to know the obviously have contacts with the people who are um, managing this thing. So he's the New Zealand delegate, the representative. Okay. And there's a lot of countries involved, a lot of activists, a lot of politicians involved from all over the world. So you either need to be a sailor, a person who knows how to sail, mm-hmm. 
uh, or a person with qualifications as a captain, for example, or a crew member, mm. or um, a politician who is of importance, of influence, who can be um, you know, useful in sharing the message. Right. Right. Or a naval architect. Or a naval architect. So <laughs> luckily for me, or for the mission, uh, they Roger knew that I could sail, and I made sure he knew that. And, you know, I shared how much history I have with the sea, all these things. And he also knows uh, that I care a lot about the, the mission itself and how much I've been sharing on Facebook and our communication. Uh, so he was like, you've contacted me at the perfect time to do this. Do you want to do it? And I said, yes, 100%. Cool. Okay, so yeah. what what drew you to the mission? Like, what drew you to this? As like a person who's grown up in yeah, yeah. luxurious circumstances, yeah. let's say. Yeah. Um, what? Why did you feel this connection? Why did you feel like this is something you wanted to be a part of? Being Palestinian, number one. So my parents are refugees. My parents uh, are seventy years old. So they were born in nineteen forty-eight, which is the exact year of the Nakba. For those who don't know, that's the catastrophe. Um, I'm sure most of the people in our generation know about it now. And my dad's birthday is actually May 15th, 1948, which is the exact day of the Nakba. So the day he was born, uh, literally, uh, his mom, my grandma, was on the back of a donkey, running away from their homeland. So she went into labor uh, while on the trail to Lebanon. They grew up in Lebanon. And uh, a funny story that I tell people, well, it's funny to me because I've said it so many times, but she was so traumatized that she couldn't lactate to produce milk mm. so my dad for the first like week of his life was reared on almond milk because there were almond trees along the trail mm-hmm. so they would get almonds and crush them up into milk and put them in a cloth nowadays almond milk would be like the luxury yeah he's, he was a hipster before it was cool <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. totally yeah, yeah. okay so your dad was born on the day of the yeah. catastrophe my mom is what two months or three months older than him so she was um already a, a baby mm-hmm. and they grew up in the same refugee camp in lebanon um, which is called which is about half an hour from Beirut. Uh, it's on the sea as well. And it's down the hills from Bikfaya. And so, you know, it's they've told me so many stories. They've shared so many things about their experiences and what's happened to them. Basically, it's um, it taught me about human rights. It taught me about the unfairness going on in the world. And it made me very uh, active in the sense that I wanted to do something about it. So Ship to Gaza was like, a beacon for me. Yeah. You know? And I had been posting and posting on social media and sometimes you get into that funk where you care so much about something and you post all this stuff but nothing ever happens and you become kind of negative about it. You know, like, am I making a difference at all? So then this was a perfect thing for me because it was an action. It wasn't just posting on social media. It was a physical action. I was pulling ropes. I was visiting cities. I was sailing across the Mediterranean for a cause that I believed in and was very rewarding in that sense. So prior to this project, had you ever been to Palestine before? I have not yet been to Palestine. Okay. So Mm -hmm. before or after? Yeah. Okay. So take us through the journey then. Okay. You made this contact. The guy (laughs) said, yes, naval architect, we want you. Exactly. Then? Uh, So he, they decided, they were trying to decide when I could join, which port. And they suggested Brighton, England on the 5th or 6th of June. They already started in Sweden. So there were four ships this year. Mm-hmm. One of them is a, the mothership. It's called Alauda, or the return in English. And it's a motor boat. It's a motor ship, right? Mm-hmm. And that's from Norway. Then there's three other sailing vessels from Sweden. So the two um, managers or contributors for the ships this year were Norway and Sweden. And um, the biggest sailing ship was called Freedom. 
And that was the one they wanted me on because they knew I could sail and, uh -huh. they, and they were short of crew. So it turned out that the best time for me to join was before Brighton because they were lacking crew uh, in Amsterdam. So I joined in Amsterdam on the 1st of June. And I went all the way until Palermo, Sicily, which was the last stop before they went to Gaza. And that was on the 16th of July, so 45 days at sea. Wow. And we crossed a lot of, a lot of cities, a lot of ports. And that was a very uh, life-changing experience in many ways. So from Amsterdam, well, before Amsterdam, they started in uh, Sweden and Norway. They went to uh, Denmark, Germany, and a couple of ports in Germany before Amsterdam. So there was already like four, three or four weeks until when I joined, mm -hmm. that they had already been on the sea. Yeah. So when I joined, a few of them were quite seasoned already and quite, you know, in their little zone of sailing and activism. So I felt a bit out of place and I felt like, am I going to be okay here? Like these guys look like expert sailors, mm. uh, you know, and these guys look like hardcore activists. I'm just like this guy coming from Dubai. Hey guys, how's it going? But within like an hour of hanging out with them, I realized this was going to be an amazing, amazing experience. Okay, let me let me let let me take it back a few steps then. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so what is happening on? The, okay, they said they want you to go on this ship. What right. is the purpose of this ship? Why are you going through all these cities? Right. What what are all these stops about? Right. So the number one thing is awareness. Okay. Educating the public and the people who see us sailing uh, that there is a place called Gaza, that there are one million uh, and a half or nearly two million people there. Um, kind of imprisoned against their will and they cannot escape and they have no choice but to be there so we wanted to protest this fact mm -hmm. and okay. um, kind of at the same time uh, get donations so it was a human rights movement in which we make people more aware about what's happening mm -hmm. and which we also try and accept donations to give to the people of Gaza when we get there so uh, when you stop at a particular country yeah. for example in Europe um what what goes on there exactly so in each in each port mm. we would meet uh, the mayor of each city mm. we would meet uh, members of the un who were, who were represented there and members of parliament and the local community so local groups that support palestine would uh, kind of like be our people on the ground mm. and they would encourage people to come and get to contact the mayor and tell him to come so visit us at the port and they would organize uh, these mass, dem mass demonstrations for us which we take part in, and then these dinners and social gatherings and concerts and circuses for families and kids. Wow. A very social um, few days mm -hmm. with some serious political agendas, and then we'd move on. Basically. Okay, yeah. and uh, the, country, the countries in Europe know that it's a flotilla movement and they're like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, well, a lot, of the, a lot of the people supported us except for a couple of cities where the government there is very strongly aligned with the people of Israel, and which didn't want us there. Okay, so yeah. there were some who were like, there were, yeah, not for Luckily, us. I didn't see any of that. It was mostly in, in France, and we didn't go to France because we knew that was going to happen. Oh, okay. And we also avoided Greece for that reason as well. We wanted to go to Greece because it's closer to Gaza uh, as, a, as a leg between Palermo and Gaza. Uh -huh. But we didn't do that either because of what happened in the past. So it was, a, it was very strategic in terms of where we went. That's true. I'm sure, mm. like, after every year, whenever they do it... Yeah, they learn they their lessons. Learn, yeah. yeah, they learn things. Yeah. So this is, like, an annual thing? It's every couple of years. So the first year was 2008. Okay. And in 2008, uh, they actually made it to Gaza. 
every year since then they haven't mm, maybe that got too much publicity in 2008 well the most publicity that was ever shared was 2010 because that was a cruise ship filled with about 550 people mm-hmm. and 10 people actually were shot and killed in international waters mm. it was called the Mavi Marmara and it was a Turkish ship and uh, it was probably the the biggest uh, tragedy that this uh, mission has ever seen yeah. and obviously that's what caused uh, much more tension mm. since then so every year since then, it's been on a much smaller scale in terms of how many people are going each, each year. That was a 500 and something people on that ship. Right. This year, we were about in total, um, I would say, 50 people, right? Uh-huh. On all the ships. Um, but every year since then, people just get arrested and they get beaten up and they get tasered. Then they get taken to Israel in one of the ports there, kept in prison until the uh, member of uh, their foreign member of, uh, what do you call them? the passport guys come over <laughs> and, and check you out and say, okay, you can leave now and they get deported. Like the consulate or the consul? I forget what it's called. Yeah, something like that. You know what I mean. Foreign mm-hmm. affairs? Foreign, yeah, they're a member of something. Okay, and are there consequences, like grave consequences? Yeah, so that's why I didn't go on the last leg. So they asked me to go from Palermo to Gaza. It would be a huge thing because I don't think they've ever, ever had a Palestinian go on, on board this last leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was with another guy from Gaza on an, he was on the mothership and I was on the uh, Freedom, the sailing ship. Mm-hmm. And we were the only two Arabs as part of the crew, except for a couple of more people who came and left. But as far as the whole trip is concerned, we were the more permanent members. Oh, true. And the rest of the people are just Europeans, you know, Swedish people, Canadians, mm-hmm. Norwegians, uh, Americans. We had three Jewish people with us. The leader of the whole movement this year was a Jewish woman. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Her name is Zohar. She's, a, you know, a legend, honestly. But yeah, so all these people... They get um, deported yeah. and they get um, accused of illegally entering Israel or attempting to, even though they were never go- trying to go there, they're trying to go to Gaza. To Gaza yeah. So they try and get people to sign this thing. They don't want to do it and they get deported after three days. Oh, wait, what's the thing that they have to sign? Uh, you know, I, I agree that I tried to enter Gaza illegally. Oh. Uh, sorry, uh, Israel, Israel illegally. Yeah. Okay. And they don't sign that. After three days, they have no right to keep them there, so they just deport them. Okay. But you also get a 10-year ban from ever visiting Israel or Palestine. Mm-hmm. And me, having never visited before, mm. I think I can do more good visiting as a, as a tourist for a month, for example, yeah. uh, visiting all the people there and making you know donations to those people, as opposed to getting arrested and deported and beaten up. Right. Yeah, yeah that yeah. would be a big sacrifice yeah. for you to make, like foregoing yeah, Palestine true. for years. But I definitely years. think it would be a huge move pub- publicly if a Palestinian were to go on the last leg. Just mm. to show that, you know, we're not fucking what the public uh, or mainstream media makes us out to be. We're peaceful people and we want, um, you know, just to fight for our human rights yeah. as opposed to these jihadists. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Peaceful protests for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the most peaceful way to, mm-hmm. I mean, you were sailing around the Mediterranean. It's the only uh, port in the Mediterranean that is illegal, that it's illegal to go to in all of the Mediterranean Sea. Mm. And the fishermen can't go past six miles from their, from their port to catch fish. I mean, they control what comes in and out. It's a, it's a prison, and it shouldn't be there. You know, I was thinking, everyone is getting on these ships to go and help people, right? Mm. To help people in Gaza and all yeah. that. But like as an experience for that individual who is sailing, I'd imagine there must be like so many benefits and like uh, things to learn out of that whole experience. I learned a hell of a lot. Uh, I learned that 
well, I was, you know, how I was saying you go into that funk where you think you're not making a difference by posting all this stuff. Mm. I learned that you are making a huge difference. And these movements, I always also was a bit pessimistic, like, oh, they're just sailing. What good is that going to do? Nobody's going to care. They're just mm. sailing. It's a public's publicity act. It made a huge difference. It made a massive difference. How like, so? Well, the cities we were in, uh, the biggest one was probably Gijon, North Spain. While we were there, they officially boycotted Israel as a country. And BDS is our, our biggest fight against uh, the occupation. Mm. So mm. BDS is boycott, divestment, sanctions, disinvestment sanctions. So financially or economically not supporting Israel, mm-hmm. not selling them weapons, mm-hmm. not trying to buy their products that are exported, all those things. And so did Valencia the same week. Valencia is the third biggest city in Spain and mm. 50 other provinces in Spain. And that same week was like a highlight for us. Uh, our, our little pal Messi, the footballer, oh, okay. refused to play uh, an Israeli team in Argentina, uh, his team. And everyone supported him in that. And that was the same week. Okay, so that yeah. was like a trifecta. We were all like buzzing for, for days after that. That's so cool. Right. You're like on the ground. Yeah. In, yeah, in the yeah. middle of this. But while you that know? was happening, we were, you know, we're in the, we're in the port there. Hmm. And it was really cool. Cool. So so all of the people that are on this mission with you, they're what? It's voluntary basis? It's all a voluntary um, activism. So, so how is this funded? It's funded by um, donations from people. Okay. Fully. Fully. Okay. So people, there have been accusations. I told you this before, Jamil, that people, people accuse you... Um, are you funded by any terrorist organization oh, right. or any like political that. parties, right? We say uh, yes, and that is the Israeli government. Mm-hmm. Because uh, a few years ago, they seized one of the boats and they kept it in Israel for a while. And uh, the Swedish government sued the Israeli government for the goods and services that were, uh, well, the goods that were owned by a Swedish citizen that weren't returned to them. They won the lawsuit. They got the money, and so yes, we are funded. Those th- that money that was there uh, was used to buy this year's ships from Sweden. So it's kind of wow. like recycling the ships, and mm. yes, we are funded by a terrorist organization. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the system yeah. works. The system works. It's like recycling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what what are you doing exactly, like day by day, yeah. in the on the boats? Yeah. So yeah. being on a sailing ship. They do this, you know, age-old um, process of shifts. So you do four-hour shifts with your group, right? Okay. And you do two shifts every 24 hours. So me and my team, we had the noon to 4 p.m. shift and then the midnight to 4 a.m. shift. So that was the case for 45 days, yeah? And you see the daytime where everyone's so sociable and running around the boat like penguins. And then you also see the nighttime when everyone's asleep and there's nothing but the stars and the you know the algae that glows at night next to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is that called again? Uh, plankton. Yeah, I think it's bioluminescent photoplankton or yeah. microorganisms. I don't know something. Yeah, like that. that sounds about right. Yeah. I One agree. of those. Yeah, <laughs> and and you see that a lot in in the world now because apparently it's a sign of lack of oxygen in the world, and the the algae is like a, a example of what's happening or a result of that. Right? Really? Yeah, I never knew that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found that recently. I was really happy about it until I read that. And I was like, oh, yeah, true. this magic is actually a bad thing. <laughs> Seriously? But I'm not 100% sure. It needs more research. Uh, I see them in Oman. In Oman, yeah. Oman. One of my favorite places in this part of the world is Oman. And, but I've never seen them. Uh, I've never seen dolphins at night doing, I mean, moving the water. So we saw that on the sailboat mm-hmm. on Freedom. Uh, the highlight of my whole sailing experience uh, throughout my life, I could say 
was it was midnight to 4 a.m. I was leading the sailing team because at that time uh, we didn't have many experienced sailors on board. I was one of the most, which is kind of not good to say because I was in over my head at the time, <laughs> right? So I'm I'm at the helm. I'm controlling the the boat, and we have extremely strong wind and huge waves. You could say like seven to eight foot, maybe. Wow. So it was pretty big. Mm-hmm. And rolling waves. So like every five seconds you would go up and then every five seconds you'd go down. So it was huge, big water, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm shitting my pants, okay? So I'm, I'm trying to keep the boat straight, uh, holding it, using 90% of my strength just to keep it straight. Wow. For four hours, yeah, right? Scary. And we had, the, we had lightning in the distance, right? It was, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not making this up. We had lightning in the distance. We had dolphins on either side of us. Lighting, what a scene. Yeah, lighting the water with the plankton, <laughs> on, like torpedoes on either side of us. And I was navigating using the stars because we weren't using the AIS system or the navigation system because the engine was off. So there's no power to the boat. So it's just, you know, old fashioned compass and stars. And it was, you know, oh I felt God. like Poseidon for a good a couple of hours. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was a really good feeling, actually. Yeah. So a that, good feeling. I'm yeah. shitting my pants. Great, great feeling. Great feeling. <laughs> oh, it was so good. And slept, dolphins just jumping. Yeah, I slept like a baby after that. Oh, my God. Best sleep of my life was after that. Oh, Sounds wow. like a dream, and it was. especially like I can picture. I'm picturing like a cartoonish, like Disney movie. It, with felt, a, it <laughs> felt like a cartoon, and people people weren't weren't able to sleep because it was so you know uh, choppy and crazy. And we're going uh, what's 15.7 knots, which was the speed record of the whole trip. I, I hold that record. And I'm so proud of that. Humbly, <laughs> humbly, in a humble way. But you know, it's so funny because every hour or so, someone would come up and be like, "Is everything okay?" You're shouting from the from the thing. I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, you're going really fast. Good job." And they're like shitting their pants. Right. And then the captain would come up every. You know, he came up twice in four hours. And he'd like, "You're doing a great job." And he'd go back to sleep because he's just used to seeing ten times as bad. You know? Oh yeah, true. So he's just so casual about it. His head just comes up slowly. You're doing a great job. Goes back to sleep. <laughs> Yeah. Those people who are coming to like complain, yeah. you're like, I'm trying to break a record. Here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the, I want to say the captain, his name is Jens. He's from Sweden. Mm. He's the most legendary person I've, I've met, honestly. He's a great, great guy. Ridiculous. Cool. Yeah. Humani- so? Humanitarian and, and a sailor. He has two adopted children. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is from Somalia. She's about two years old. And one is from Iran, who's about 17. Oh. Mm-hmm. And he just, uh, you know, he used to be a captain of a ferry. Now he, for the government... Um, in Sweden, cleans up uh, beaches from of trash. Wow! So he, they gave him a ship, and he has a crew, and he goes to all these beaches cleaning up trash. Wow. And he's just you know a humanit and a gentleman and a humanitarian in every sense of the way. Salute to uh, Jens. Mm. Jens, yeah. Jens, yeah. This sounds like such an amazing experience. Yeah. I mean, just as an experience in itself, to go from like I mean, I'm not that I'm. I'm just gonna <laughs> presume a lot of things about you right now. Yeah. <laughs> to go from like a sheltered situation yeah in no my head. definitely not <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah you did mention you traveled across the mediterranean definitely not sheltered living in new right. zealand is hard it's hard to be sheltered living in new zealand to be honest with you oh yeah yeah how so well my parents were here and i was living on my own there oh okay you're living on your <laughs> yeah, own yeah, yeah. okay yeah because you mentioned your parents travel back yeah yeah but yeah, just diving into all of this with all these people of different backgrounds and I'm, I'm really used to i'm really used to stuff like that um people tell me i don't know if i assume they're right because so many people have said that that mm-hmm. i'm very a uh, sociable person mm-hmm. and that I can you know I have friends from everywhere so I can get along with almost anyone people okay. say that so that kind of encourages me or encourages me when it comes to these situations yeah, or reassures like me I think that's like uh, I mean I don't want to give uh, any positive light to this but like as Palestinians 
we are misplaced out of our homeland and we kind of have to be sociable definitely. i feel like definitely in order to um I mean, yeah. just because of our situation, we're in Definitely. a foreign land. And I do believe, like people, like people with the same history as us, mm. have a sense of awareness that doesn't matter where the hell you come from. You know, you can be a good person or you can be a bad person, and we, I think, we have that um, ingrained in us. Because, especially the stories, I don't know about you guys, but after uh, you know the displacement and all that stuff, the Arabs in the surrounding areas, for the most part, didn't really give a crap. It was the Europeans fighting for us. And the same with um, with this mission. It was me and this guy from Gaza, Auni, hilarious guy. I love this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, most of the activists were Europeans. Where were all the Arab activists? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Where are they? Yeah, it's really strange. Point. Why do you think no Arabs are? I think no Arabs were... Well, It's there's a million potential reasons. But from my opinion, I would say... Maybe people in Europe are better placed, they're more privileged, and they have more history with human rights than Arabs do. Because we have our own shit to deal with, with mm-hmm. corruption and all that stuff. Definitely. Good yeah. point. That's yeah. one point. Mm-hmm. Another point is, Arabs have lost faith, I think, for, <laughs> I don't want to say it, but for the most part, Arabs have lost faith in in each other in a certain way. Mm-hmm. You know, It's every man for himself in this part of the world. Whereas in Europe or Northern Europe and you know the f- the West... People are used to being in communities and work groups and social events and stuff like that, where that, that hasn't really happened here. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, you can see it when you go to Europe, their hierarchy of, uh, I don't know, needs or wants, it's like pretty high up yeah. compared to, to where we are. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So they're like dealing with things that are... Exactly. Yeah. Like the, the things that they need, it's already taken care of by yeah. the government or by yeah, yeah. Uh, the country. So they have that privilege to be able to fight for something... That's not entirely related to them. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Which on the other end of the coin is if a society does not have needs met, then they're busy trying to accomplish that and they don't have time to deal with these bigger yeah. issues. That's true. But on the ironic side of the, th- uh, the scale is the Arabs uh, don't have their needs met because of the same freaking reason mm. <laughs> that yeah. we're trying to fight for. Right. Yeah. 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 We're getting pretty deep here into the (laughs) political side of things. (laughs) No, but it's, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, Yeah, very interesting. So after, what, okay, from Amsterdam, should I run through the countries? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. Amsterdam to um, Brighton, England. In England, from England, we went to um, North Spain. So we didn't go to France from England to Spain direct because we knew what would happen. North Spain to Portugal. And from, actually, my friend Serene, who lives in Dubai, she came to visit me in Portugal. Shout out Serene. Shout out Serene. Serene Isa, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and she actually, the main reason she came was I ran out of Arabic coffee and I asked my mom to give Serene some so she could bring it to me. <laughs> Turkish coffee. Essential. And uh, yeah. Zatar. So I ran out of Zatar and Turkish coffee. <laughs> like so a Serene, true Palestinian. Serene yeah. literally came, she was in Portugal, but she came to Cascais uh, or Cascais, however you pronounce it, uh-huh. to deliver some... <laughs> Much needed Turkish coffee and zatar to the boat. <laughs> Yo, I'm just imagining the serene friend of yours going into the country and the passport controls like purpose of visit. Uh, well, I gotta deliver this coffee and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. zatar. Yeah. Humanitarian aid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Honestly, like the crew loved the Turkish coffee that I had, the Arabic coffee. So it went in a couple of days. Mm. So I needed uh, some fresh A refill. refill. <laughs> 
And Serene to the rescue. Serene to the rescue, and she came and saw the boat, and we took some pictures, and she met all the crew, and they all loved her and all that stuff. It was really cool. I love her. What are yeah. you saying? Yeah. She traveled to... No, she didn't really come. She was, <laughs> she was going to be in Portugal, and she also is Palestinian, so she believes in the cause. Yeah, like I'm Just sure what happened. Yeah. I'm sure there's some practical. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, involved. no. In my imagination, yeah. she got on a plane with like a bag of that in one hand, yeah, Turkish yeah. coffee in another. Like. No. With the sole purpose of yeah. delivering it. And after Portugal, we went to Spain again from the south, Cadiz, through the Strait of Gibraltar. From there, we went to Sardinia, where the CEO of my job here, my last job, mm-hmm. he's from Sardinia. His name is Francesco. And he actually you know, helped a lot by convincing people to come see the boats. His mom came, his, his, you know, his friends came. They bought pizza. You know, it was really cool. That's mm. nice. Took us for ice cream. It was really, really a nice, really nice experience. After Sardinia, we went to um, Sicily. Uh, Napoli, then Sicily. Okay. Yeah. So that was the trip for me. Man, wow. like, uh, just like as a backpacking trip. Yeah, this exactly. Sounds amazing. People, people <laughs> yeah. would pay to go to rent a yacht and sail the same yes. leg that I did, the That's same route. True. You know. But like, it's even more than that. I noticed I went to backpacking a couple of places, and I sometimes I felt like, okay, I'm backpacking. I feel like there's a purpose, yeah. which is like I'm personal l- growth. Yeah, personal growth. Yeah. I'm learning a new culture, checking things out. But like with this backpacking experience mm. it's like there's a real yeah. real yeah. purpose yeah. to it i mean we didn't have much time to see the sites you know because it was it's so full-on when you're in the port you know you're meeting people every second you're there if you're not sleeping so it's only like after all the meetings are done at like 9 p.m from the morning that you can have time to socialize or go to a bar or go somewhere and sit and have fun so that's when we had our social time mm. i mean i think i had one day where i went to the beach in sardinia Besides that, I didn't have any, free, literally any free time to do whatever you want, aside from eating and sleeping. It's like a full, full-time job. You had the choice to go or not to go as, a, as an activist, mm-hmm. right? But obviously, I'm so into it that yes. I, I had to go, you know? Yeah. A lot of the people, or some of the people were mostly crew or sailing or activists. So when they go to the ports, they, you know, take care of the boat and fix it up. I was doing both. I was doing the sailing and the uh, servicing and fixing the boat and helping. And whenever I could, activists. Hmm. You, you you ticked all the boxes. I ticked all the boxes. The, Roger was like, dude, I'm getting so much positive praise from you. What the hell are you doing over there? Seriously. I was so happy to see that message. Yeah, it was really good. That's awesome. Yeah. R- Roger was... Uh, Roger is the New Zealand delegate or the, the representative. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember. But he was in the ships, I'm assuming. No, he was, in, he was in New Zealand he was in New organizing okay. things. Okay, okay. Because yeah. you said like he got it, he's getting messages and stuff. So yeah, yeah he, got, he got a message from the captain and from some of the organizers. They're like, you know, I'm just like... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, he's here. He's checking all the boxes. Yeah, he's yeah. breaking records. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> tick, 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 tick. He's well, got the dolphins on board. Yeah, it was. It was really positive. It was really positive. I mean, it was. It was aside from, you know, I could say it. It fueled me uh, in terms of human rights because it it reminded me that there are people fighting for this. You know, it's not just news posts on social media. There are people every day fighting for this mm. and it really boosted my my sense of optimism for for the for just causes for human rights you know and then also i met all these amazing people people who are beyond you know legendary who are beyond fictional characters actual humans who are doing this every day 
Mm. And it's a very humbling thing. It's a very eye-opening experience. And then I got to see all these beautiful cities and meet so many cool people yeah. at the same time. I mean, just imagine like sailing to Gaza and knowing that they're going to come at you and beat you up and take the, confiscate everything. That must take like some sort of like high level of bravery yeah, like, yeah. just to think and, about it. Yeah, yeah. They're all heroes in my book, seriously. You know? Yeah. They're not, you know, we, we met a lot of unbalanced people, people who were uh, borderline nervous breakdown kind of people. And then we met people who were like quiet as a rock and never said a word. And we met engineers and doctors and carpenters all on board, you know. Mm. And just, it's a cocktail of a huge spectrum of people. And they're all fighting, which is nice, which is what you want to see, because they're all fighting for the same cause. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. If you care about it, you should fight for it. Mm. And they all had the same fate in the end. I mean, they were all on the boat. Everyone, stopped. everyone, yeah, everyone is safely back in their home countries mm-hmm. uh, with a ten-year ban. <laughs> with a ten-year ban. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that ten-year ban. It's ridiculous. So I'm assuming. Uh, well, actually, you told me that yeah. uh, when you do this trip, uh, people go back to their own countries and they talk about their experiences, right? Right. Yeah, it's it's good to see that the ball is still rolling, though. I mean, like, you've you've gone on this mission, mm. you've left the mission, now each one of you in your own countries, yeah. in your own cities is kind of continuing it on. Like, yeah. Well, that's the most important thing. I mean, that's that's where you separate the, is it worth doing from, was it worth doing? You mm. know, like, or what's the point of it? Because now that you've experienced it, now is when you share. Now is when you put in the hard yards and talk about it and share your experiences. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole, none of this would have been possible without awareness. If nobody was watching what was happening, they would have killed all, all of the people. They would have shot them all like they did in 2010. The only reason they didn't was because everyone was watching now since 2010. Right. You know, the more awareness that we have, uh, the safer missions like this can yeah, be. Of course. And the more awareness people uh, we have, the more people realize what's actually going on which is the definition of awareness. And then, the <laughs> <laughs> and then people stand up for it. You know, How did South Africa, apartheid South Africa, how did that end? It wasn't a decision from a government. Well, it was, but that was only because people demanded that that happen. Yeah. People came together. And then they say, well, the government's corrupt and you can never influence it. You can influence it because it starts off from here in most countries where it's de- democracy. It starts off from the, your local council you know your local people in your neighborhood the government in your neighborhood the local member of parliament in your neighborhood you vote for those guys based on what they believe and if you start demanding that they uh, meet agenda a b and c in this case uh, the palestinian issue if you start demanding that they raise this to their higher uh, superiors and they raise it up and they raise it up and eventually it reaches the the highest part of the government and if you demand this, as if the government, if the masses demand this, it'll lead to change. And we've seen that in Spain. We literally saw that in front of our eyes. Mm. On ground. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. Amazing. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it too. <laughs> it just takes time. How long is the issue? How long are we going to care about what Kanye West is wearing on his shoes at his <laughs> friend's wedding versus how many people died yesterday, you know? Mm. And also another thing I just uh, realized came across my mind is when you're in there and seeing the stuff, like, I mean, I feel like a lot of people here or uh, maybe around the whole world, they're kind of like desensitized with all the news that keeps coming out 
it's like oh another 10 people who died yeah. in the flotilla but now yeah. if i read like someone died in the flotilla i'm gonna be thinking oh my god yusuf yeah. like <laughs> that could have been him there's an Holy actual shit. person that i know yeah, 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 yeah. it puts yeah. a human face on on yeah. the issue and that's another thing real. yeah that's another totally. part of the the positives of of doing this mission is that the locals in each city they would meet us and they would mm. see that we're actually not these radicalized crazy anti-jewish people there there were jewish people with us yeah you know we're just about human rights yeah and we're not affiliated with any political parties that's the key as well it was just basic human rights i feel like every palestinian has like a weird olive oil connect yeah yeah, yeah. Mine, mine is better mine is better than yours <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like i had a lebanese friend over the other day and then she's like uh, do you have some of that Palestinian <laughs> olive oil <laughs> that you guys weirdly bring? I'm yeah, like, yeah. hell yeah, I do. And like, if you were to buy any store-bought olive oil, like if my mom comes over and she opens my cabinet and she sees store-bought olive oil. You're in trouble. Like, I'm in real trouble. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. not even, it's real. Like, she's angry. Yeah, yeah. Like, how could you do this to your people? <laughs> <laughs> and in New Zealand, we have za'atar plants in the backyard. So my mom makes her own za'atar. Oh wow! Oh, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. And what I had the, how does zatar even like grow? It's like oregano or or thyme or some oh, kind of right, right. But then they mix it, with, it. They mix it like yeah, they dry it and then they grind mm. it and mix it with sesame seeds and some other stuff. And for it to become the zatar that exactly you commonly know. And the then there's also this thing like with Palestinians. You know how we have like our, our own internal propaganda of things. <laughs> Um, well, obviously it's true. This one's not. Pre- this one is true. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. That zatar makes you smart. Yeah, uh-huh. I completely believe that. Yeah, That's a scientific I mean, I fact. Could. I could believe that. It's it's good for you for sure. Yo, when I was a kid and I had to like memorize that surah yeah. or yeah. ayah, you just had a shot of zatar. <laughs> like for real. Like for real. I used to <laughs> like. <placebo. laughs> Only because like I heard my mom once mention it like a bit sad, but yeah. But I was like, but sad, but <laughs> I go like into the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. I go into the kitchen just before I sleep. Like, man, I gotta memorize the surah. Like, I can't forget it. Like, zatarzit. <laughs> like, overdose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you you believe it? I mean, I passed. <laughs> you passed. Yeah. <laughs> Not even like got in an A. Like passed. I passed. Yeah, just C's get degrees. <laughs> just the other day, my dad had posted like something on Facebook. Like, it was um, I don't know some random American news story where they're interviewing two kids and they're both geniuses. Mm. Um, You know, like one's 15 and he just graduated from college or Mm. something like that. Mm. And they're clearly just Palestinian. You know, clearly they're um, genius children. Mm. And then my dad like writes the comment like, Zit was zatar. <laughs> oh man, that's <laughs> like, funny. Zit yeah. zatar is the main purpose naturally, behind their success. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, not their genetics or anything. Yeah. Zit zatar. For not sure. hard work. Yeah. No. Nope. But everybody loves zatar. Like everyone I introduced to it loves it. Even yeah. even when I went on this backpacking trip in the Mediterranean mm. three years ago, I had a fucking jar of zatar with me from my mom in New Zealand, and everyone loved it. Every yeah, backpacker definitely. I went to, oh, it smells so good. What yeah, is that? It really does smell good. Yeah. 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 Yo, where's Yasmina? Serene. Serene. But um, yeah, even when I was a kid, yeah. when we were really young in Canada, and obviously m- my parents or my mom would make us the classic Zetuzatar sandwich for school, mm. you know, to help you concentrate, of course. <laughs> um, and then she would like wrap it in, let's say, like saran wrap, uh-huh. and it would be in your lunchbox. <laughs> then when you open your lunchbox and you unwrap the saran wrap, it's almost like 
marinated in the bread mm. oh like God. you know it gets really soft and gooey so the entire <laughs> class starts to smell like mm. mm-hmm. and the teacher would always like creepily walk over and be like what's that yeah. and she'd always be asking my mom what's the sandwich you put for your kid or whatever like that yeah, yeah. my mom yeah. obviously would be like Zetuzatar number one make you smart uh, another highlight of the trip was I met a lady. I met a little lady on my trip to a little? Palermo. A lady. Met a girl. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's, uh, oh, I thought little was like. No, oh, like okay. you know, like. Well, oh, you mean he meant it like in an old English I meant it in a cute, romantic kind of way, but uh, it sounded like I'm a bit of a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> I met a little. Yeah, lady. I met a little lady. She was great. <laughs> she loved the Lebanon. She loved it. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, she was on the boat. She came with her mom, actually. Mm-hmm. Her and her mom. Her mom is friends with the captain. And they're both from Sweden. And uh, for about three weeks, we were on the boat together, trying to hide our feelings from each other, which we were getting stronger and stronger. And we were trying to play this little game of cat and mouse. Because n- nobody wanted any the other person to know, because it would have been awkward, right? So until, until the last day, her last night, when she left in Napoli, we had like some time alone and actually... Uh, told each other that we liked each other. Uh, the final confession. The final confession the night before she left. And obviously, we couldn't do anything about it. And then I went to Sweden to visit her afterwards, which was great. So in that whole trip, there was a love story too. There's a love story oh, wow. as well, you know. So yeah, it was great. So I'm going to see... Humanitarianism and romance. Yes, yes. We're going to see each other in December, which is good. Oh, no way. So there's already plans for that. Wow. So you guys are long distance. We're long distance for a while, yeah. But I'm happy to do that. I don't mind. And I think she is too. Yeah, I mean, you, it, it can work, you know? It can if work. you have the Definitely. will. And if you have the self-discipline and uh, talk every day like you do now mm-hmm. with social media, it's okay. And you guys have such a such an interesting story of how you met. Yeah, it's very romantic. Yeah, I, think, yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she's a supporter of the Palestinian cause. Exactly. Yeah, she that checks <laughs> that box. So, so I don't have to, yeah. That whole part of my life is covered. I was, I was literally thinking that as you were saying it. I was going to say it. Uh, you don't have to impress her. I mean, you don't have to convince her yeah. that Zatar is the best. Exactly. She's already tried the Zatar. She loves the coffee. <laughs> you know? She's Man, if board. anything, this photo movement can be turned into like some great dating. <laughs> like. is, that, is that really the, the secret undertone yeah, yeah. of the whole mission? No. <laughs> Come, help the movement. Help the Palestinians find love. <laughs> yes, exactly. One of my last nights in Palermo. We're sitting on the grass outside the boat and it's me and a Swedish activist who was with me for the whole trip on the same boat and she plays the guitar and sings a bit. Her name is Davina. And there's another guy called uh, Jonathan. He's a Jewish Israeli living in Norway, right? And he is one of the, he used to be in the IDF. He's one of the guys who started this thing called Breaking the Silence. Where they, oh, I yeah, heard about that. Where they promote uh, ex-IDF people to speak out if they feel like they were scarred at all by what they did or if they did anything bad and want to share their feelings. So he was one of the guys behind that, right? Cool. So he's sitting there. Uh, he's got the guitar. Davina has a guitar. I've got, I've got Jonathan's harmonica. And I probably played the harmonica twice in my life before. <laughs> and we've got like these reporters filming us out of nowhere after we started playing. So I was like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and we're, and this, he's, he's singing the song. Uh, it's in Jewish. It's in... Uh, half Jewish half Arabic in Hebrew sorry 
and it's about returning it's it's like about returning to your roots and your family home and all this stuff and i was just like we all had goosebumps you know some of us had tears and i was just playing the harmonica as, as best as i could without killing the vibe <laughs> and by the end of it people just like were were so moved by it and really really happy and started clapping and it was amazing and i was like wow that was one of the best moments of the whole trip it was really cool That's so awesome. you know me and a jewish guy and a swedish girl sitting and uh, singing for for human rights and it was really cool it was humbling and this goes to show no matter where you are no matter where you come from if you believe in something go for it it'll be rewarding for sure not to sound like a grandfather or anything like that, that <laughs> or a, nice. or a self motivational tape. <laughs> yeah. No, it sounds so nice. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, keep a harmonica on hand all yeah, times. Always have a harmonica as well for the ladies. Great advice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Yusuf, for sharing your story and experience aboard the Freedom Flotilla. For more information on the movement and to stay up to date, please check out their Facebook page, Freedom Flotilla Coalition. Thanks again for listening. And if you want to stay up to date, please subscribe on SoundCloud and your favorite podcast app.